The Start. On Demand. demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Friday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today, you're going to hear a conversation with Global's Abigail Beeman on a bombshell of an announcement from Maxime Bernier leaving the Conservative Party to start his own thing. Also, we're going to talk about the strange things that we see when we're driving late at night or early in the morning or even in the middle of the day, like a naked guy running through the streets of Winnipeg. We're also going to chat about the Bombers as they get ready to take on Calgary. Bob Irving is going to join us. And we're going to speak with Nikki Reitmayer from the Global News podcast, This Is Why. This week's edition is on the rise of esports. And when you hear how much money these video gamer athletes can make doing this as a profession, you might wish that you had not put down the video game controller and gone outside when your parents told you to. Enjoy the podcast. Policy resolutions have been issued, including abortion, supply management, and terrorism. And the convention is happening just after Quebec MP Maxime Bernier announced he was quitting the Conservative Party. And not only is he quitting the party, he's hoping to take some conservative loyalists with him. Global's Abigail Beeman joins us live now from Halifax. And was this uh, shocking news to anyone yesterday, Abigail? Good morning. Uh, shock is a strong word, perhaps a, a little surprised uh, for sure, because Maxime Bernier issued a news release that he was going to be making this announcement, but there were several hours between uh, that news release and the announcement. So you can imagine that tongues were wagging about what exactly uh, that may be. So, But more than surprised, I would say that there was a real sense of relief here. Of course, yesterday, all eyes were on Ottawa, while 3,000 Conservatives are gathered here in Halifax. But there are 3,000 Conservatives gathered here in Halifax. And that's important to note so that coming together feeling really Mr. Bernier is on the other side of it. And there were, was a lot of reliefs from the politicians, the delegates that I spoke to in terms of he's made this choice. A lot of people don't respect that choice or his behavior, but uh, he's done that now and they're here to support Andrew Scheer. Well, he's been called Mad Max over the years, so that might have dimmed some of the shock that might have been out there. But, you know, even the former prime minister, Stephen Harper, tweeted yesterday that it was clear that he never accepted the results of those last leadership from 2017, right? But is there any concern at all that he could actually pull some people over? You talk about everyone uniting, but he wants to start an old or a new party. And is there concern among the conservatives that that might have some impact on their base and their bid to unify? Exactly. So that's the big question. And publicly, everybody is saying no. Andrew Scheer says himself, he said he absolutely does not believe that a single MP will leave his caucus. And he says that he's, he's not worried about votes. And so too are other uh, Conservatives saying the same thing, uh, that they're not worried about votes. The question will be, though, is this going to have any impact? And can you afford to, to lose those votes up against uh, the Trudeau government in 2019, which of course is, is just around the corner? So that remains to be seen. Uh, when people talk about whether this will have any impact, people say, well, you know, maybe in Quebec or in some parts of Quebec. But overall, people here don't seem to be worried about uh, it having a large impact. 
No one ever wants to say they're worried, I think, in these circumstances, well, right? They want to downplay <laughs> it a little bit. I, I kind of, of wonder if in Trudeau's office yesterday in the prime minister's circle, they were all sort of sitting there clapping, doing a jig, what have you, right? I mean, a fly it, on the wall would be nice, eh? Wouldn't it? And, and what are they saying? What are the, do you think the liberals are seeing this as a, as a win for them or is it also just downplay for them? Uh, right. So for the liberals um, who were here at the at the convention, because, of course, they, they send some observers, so they were saying, like, you know, this speaks to division within the Conservative Party. I think it's it's hard for them to see it as anything other than a win. Um, but I also talked about, well, you know, would the, could this hurt the liberals in Quebec? And that's a whole story uh, on its own. But if uh, Maxime Bernier does gather a lot of support in Quebec, that, that could have an impact uh, on liberal seats there. So uh, a lot of questions as this moves forward. What is his problem with the Conservatives? Why did he have to decide to make this announcement? So he says that in his speech yesterday, supply management was the big one. So Maxime Bernier has always uh, been against supply management. And um, Andrew Scheer has said that he won't touch that. Maxime Bernier says that, you know, for NAFTA, we need to have this on the table in terms of negotiations. That was the big one. But his words were extremely harsh. His parting blows on his way out of the party yesterday, calling uh, the Conservatives too intellectually and morally corrupt to be reformed, saying that you know, Andrew Scheer always talks about his vision, but nobody knows what that vision is. So he certainly wasn't holding back in his criticisms of the Conservative Party. So when you talk about uh, supply management being such a really, when you, it gets right down to it, such a very small part of the economy in terms of GB, GDP, production, etc. Right. Bernier right. always holds this out as the as a lightning rod saying, do you want to throw away the possibility of a NAFTA agreement with the United States based on on supporting and keeping this uh, part of the Canadian landscape, but yet Bernier not realizing that 2 or 3% here and there can add up to really a landslide victory for the Liberals in the, in the next election. I, I don't think he's uh, practicing what he's preaching here. Uh, right, and, and and that's a very good point. But uh, the Americans have been pretty firm on supply management as an issue on the table. So he sees that, or Bernie seems to feel that he does have a lot of support in that arena. He did lose to Andrew Scheer when they, you know, campaigned on different sides of that issue. But it was a, a narrow loss, as as people are, are quick to point out here. So it does certainly remain to be seen how that plays out going forward, and as NAFTA negotiations continue to play out going forward. You can say those things, Abigail, but how much do you think just the last two weeks, uh, his words on Twitter talking about not wanting to move forward to a more diverse Canada and all the rest. And at some point it was just more like he had to go. He was going to either be pushed out or he had to quit. Right, right. And that's a good point as well. Now, Andrew Scheer said yesterday that they last spoke nine days. Oh, excuse me. It was Maxine Bernier who said that he and Andrew Scheer both uh, last spoke nine days ago. But Andrew Scheer said in his news conference he really feels that Bernier made up his mind a long time ago. And if you if you think about that last spoke nine days ago comment, uh, Bernier said he really saw at that point that there was no place for him within the party. That aligns uh, closely with when he started to ramp up on those tweets. So how long ago he really made up his mind, uh, not sure, but uh, th- that he felt he could take that division publicly uh, a little while ago and, and certainly ramped up from there, highlighted in, in his final parting words yesterday. Does he live to see another day, Bernier? 
Oh, I'm not going to place bets on, <laughs> on that one. If you ask conservatives here at the party, most of, or here at the convention, most of them say, uh, no, say that this is, it, that this is going to be the end for him. Sure, he, he may hold on to his seat, but there's not a lot of uh, confidence here in Halifax anyway that this is going to have much success. <laughs> Have you ever been driving late at night, or in our case, early in the morning, and seen something that made you do a double take? Well, today we're going to have coffee and talk about those strange things we've seen while driving in the wee hours of the night. I'm Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Kelly Moore is here, Shanley Vidal is here, Jeff Fortier, and Tristan Field-Jones. Loren, why don't we start with you, since this is your now third day on the early morning. Have you seen anything a little odd? A whole family of raccoons is about the most exciting thing I can really? say. Across, yeah, like like five of them just gunning across the road this morning. Oh, that's kind of cool. But, that was, but it wasn't scary. So I've had no like weird moments. On the way home yesterday, I saw a man riding a bike, carrying a bike. And I, you know, I was driving and I just immediately thought, okay, like someone's going to come running after him because that bike might have been stolen. But, you know, maybe he was carrying the bike for a friend. Get a flat tire. It didn't. It was a really nice bike. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you never know. You never it's not know. It's my car. It's my friend's car. I used to love that from <laughs> cops when they get pulled up. This is my car. How did you get it exactly? <laughs> okay. Anybody else see anything weird? Well, I, I did not see this myself, but my uh, wife and oldest daughter still tell this story. They uh, had to take our granddaughter to a hospital in the middle of the night. So while they're uh, traveling, I think they were uh, going across the Louise Bridge and Higgins. Anyway, there's this woman in this car, and you can see the sparks flying from her um, uh, from her tires or where her tires used to be. I guess they were completely flat. But she was basically just <laughs> driving on, on her nothing, rims, on, on her the rims. rims, and oh they're throwing word. off sparks. And you know, they think, how can you even control the vehicle? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. So I've seen a few things along the way, but I, I don't think I could ever top that. An early morning coming out of Thunder Bay when I used to cover the moose, uh, I saw the biggest moose. I have ever seen in my life. This thing was huge. Just as you're, I don't know if you're familiar with Thunder Bay, but just uh, when you're coming out of the town, there's a little turn to the right before you get onto Highway 17 there, and there's this thing staring at me. I'm in my little Alero thinking, if I'd have hit you, I know who would have lost that battle. I'm imagining you're on a bus. You were driving. No, I was driving. I uh, Yeah, I would stay over and then come home on the Sunday. Yeah. My word. Would the Alero have been able to drive under it? Yeah. Uh, like through the legs? Uh, <laughs> The woman without uh, tires and driving on her rims probably would have had a better chance. The problem yeah. when you see things like that, like the woman with no tires or this guy at the bike, then you stop and you first you laugh, then you guess what's happening, then yeah. you're like, should I do something here? <laughs> like, like a citizen's arrest or call the police? Like I just, you know, you see those things and you think I could act, like I could help someone and then you don't know how to help. Well, I had a, an instant similar to that too, where I, I've done a fair my fair share of driving late at night. Uh, especially like when I started here at CGOB, a lot of my shifts were during the evening. So I'd be going home and it was relatively late and not too long ago before, uh, the intersection of Waverly and Taylor, they readjusted it for the underpass construction. Uh, I, it was, it was late at night. I was coming home from a buddy's place and, uh, I pull up to, uh, Waverly and I'm heading, uh, west 
And what happens is I notice in the median, I know I'm facing the right direction, but then on the other side of the median, there's a guy facing the same direction I am. And I thought, whoa, that's a bit odd. And, and to your point, Loren, you know, I, I decided I let this guy go first because I don't know if he was of sound mind, just incredibly distracted. I don't know what it was. And I remember I let him go for a while and, and there was some weaving and there was some erratic driving. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, and, and, you know, I was wondering, like, do I call 911 in this case? It's not really an emergency. I mean, what what do I do under those circumstances? You do, I think, because RCMP tweeted, tweeted just this month that 50% of impaired drivers are caught when somebody else yeah. sends That's it right. off. But it's, you do think, like, should it, maybe this person's just having a bad day or maybe they're actually in the wrong, right? Well, because that's the thing. When you're driving, for me anyway, when I'm driving late at night or early in the morning, everybody else on the road is suspicious. Yes. Like, what the heck are you doing out early this morning? And of course, yeah, exactly. Like earlier today when I was driving to the station, there was a guy who pulled over, uh, put his hazards on. He might have been checking his phone for something. It could have been totally innocuous, but I'm going there thinking, what are you doing? Why are you pulling over? Why are, you, why are your hazards on? It's 4 a.m. Nobody puts their hazards on at 4 a.m. Meanwhile, I'm driving there to the station, and but I'm not suspicious, of course. No, no of course not. Shanalee? Well, what's weird is the um, sheer amount of people that I see when I'm on my way to work at 3.30 in the morning. I, you'd think nobody would be out and about, but in the past few months in my neighborhood, so many people are out, so many people on bicycles. Do they have backpacks, Shanalee? I hadn't actually hadn't noticed. Mm, pay attention, because I think most of them have backpacks yeah, on. Yeah, I, okay. I know what you're talking about. Mm. And then, yeah, and, and, you know, sometimes you kind of see some vehicles just waiting. Mm. I see lots of people walking around in the back lane. The other day I saw a few houses down, two people, and they were in, like, a, the one backyard, and they had, like, a stroller. And I'm like, this seems kind of odd. So so I see, mostly I see a lot of strange humans on and my I'm way. I'm just walking my baby. That baby looks a lot like a 37-inch television. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's their baby. <laughs> what are you, Mac? Well, as I mentioned, I used to be a milkman. And so I used to deliver out in Charleswood, Tuxedo, and Headingley. And one night I was driving down Ridgewood Avenue, which runs parallel to Wilkes. Mm-hmm. And the I guess it's the CN Main Line. And I saw some lights in the distance coming directly towards me. And that was the moment that I realized that I believe in alien life because I was telling myself, you got to stay awake for this because if you're (laughs) coming for you, you don't want to miss this. So I'm watching. It was kind of foggy. You wanted to be be part of the abduction. Of course. I'm like. Pick me, pick me, <laughs> and and the lights are getting closer and closer. And I'm trying to rationalize this thing. I'm thinking, is this an airplane? No, because you know the air, the airport, the approach would be perpendicular the to way. the way yeah. I'm traveling. It turned out it was an airplane, but it was obviously trying to find its way in the fog. It made a sharp left turn, and away it went. But I was shaken for the rest of the morning, and I realized. I guess I do believe in life forms on other planets. So your customers received milkshakes that day. They got milkshakes. Shaken and disappointed, it sounds like. Or maybe sour cream, yogurt, I don't know. (laughs) I can't honestly think of anything weird. I'm sure, I I know I've seen lots of stuff, but I can't recall any of it. But uh, there was that story recently. It was back just at the beginning of the month of that naked guy who was was running. We figured it out. He was running along Isabel. Uh, he was running, I think, in the opposite direction. The bridge was just, the Slaw Rebchuk bridge was just a few blocks up. And yeah, some guy caught it on his cell phone. 
Are we sure we wanted to see that? Uh, well, if you want to, all you got to do is Google naked man running through Winnipeg. That's the exact search terms I used, and it's right there. I think he had shoes on, and then that's it. Well, hey, at least he's being conscious of his feet. <laughs> got to take care of your feet. Now that's a runner. <laughs> now, I've seen this a few times, but not on Portage Avenue. Here's a text coming back from Grace Hospital at 3 a.m. I saw a large house going down Portage Avenue. It was being moved. I thought I was seeing things. Yeah, no question. You see that on the perimeter highway from time to time. But down Portage Avenue? Yeah, that's Not weird. so often. Text us any weird stuff you've seen out while you're driving. 204-780-6868. Thank you very much, Kelly Moore, Shanalee Vidal, Tristan Field-Jones, Jeff Forte. And after Global News at 7 o'clock, Adriana Jung will join us to give us more details about the smoke. It's the start on CJOB. ever been driving late at night or in our case early in the morning and seen something that made you do a double take well today we're going to have coffee and talk about those strange things we've seen while driving in the wee hours of the night i'm brett mcgarry greg mackling loren mcnab kelly moore is here shanley vidal is here jeff forte and tristan field jones loren why don't we start with you since this is your now third day on the early morning have you seen anything a little odd a whole family of raccoons is about the most exciting thing I can really? say. Across. Yeah, like like five of them just gunning across the road this morning. Oh, that's kind of but, cool. But, that was, but it wasn't scary. So I've had no like weird moments. On the way home yesterday, I saw a man riding a bike, carrying a bike. <laughs> and I, you know, I was driving and I just immediately thought, okay, like someone's going to come running after him because that bike might have been stolen. But, you know, maybe he was carrying the bike for a friend. Did it have a flat tire? It didn't. It was a really nice bike. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. It's not know. my car. It's my friend's car. I used to love that from <laughs> cops when they get pulled up. This isn't my car. How did you get it exactly? <laughs> okay. Anybody else see anything weird? Well, I, I did not see this myself, but my uh, wife and oldest daughter still tell this story. They uh, had to take our granddaughter to a hospital in the middle of the night. So while they're uh, traveling, I think they were uh, going across the Louise Bridge and Higgins. Anyway, there's this woman in this car, and you can see the sparks flying from her um, uh, from her tires or where her tires used to be. I guess they were completely flat. But she was basically just <laughs> driving on, on her nothing, rims, on, on her the rims. rims, and oh they're throwing word. off sparks. And you know, they think, <laughs> how can you even control the vehicle? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. So I've seen a few things along the way, but I, I don't think I could ever top that. An early morning coming out of Thunder Bay when I used to cover the moose, uh, I saw the biggest moose. I have ever seen in my life. This thing was huge. Just as you're, I don't know if you're familiar with Thunder Bay, but just uh, when you're coming out of the town, there's a little turn to the right before you get onto Highway 17 there, and there's this thing staring at me. I'm in my little Alero thinking, if I'd have hit you, I know who would have lost that battle. I'm imagining you're on a bus. You were driving. No, I was driving. I uh, Yeah, I would stay over and then come home on the Sunday. Yeah. My word. Would the Alero have been able to drive under it? Yeah, uh, like through the legs? Uh, <laughs> 
the woman without uh, tires and driving on her rims probably would have had a better chance. The problem yeah. when you see things like that, like the woman with no tires or this guy at the bike, then you stop and you first you laugh, then you guess what's happening, then yeah. you're like, should I do something here? <laughs> like, like a citizen's arrest or yeah. call the police? Like, I just, you know, you see those things and you think, I could act, like I could help someone, and then you don't know how to help. Well, yeah. I had a, an instant similar to that too, where I, I've done a fair my fair share of driving late at night. Uh, especially like when I started here at CGOB, a lot of my shifts were during the evening. So I'd be going home and it was relatively late. And not too long ago before uh, the intersection of Waverly and Taylor, they readjusted it for the underpass construction. Uh, I, it, was, it was late at night. I was coming home from a buddy's place and uh, I pull up to uh, Waverly and I'm heading uh, west. And what happens is I notice in the median, I know I'm facing the right direction, but then on the other side of the median, there's a guy facing the same direction I am. And I thought, whoa, that's a bit odd. And and to your point, Loren, you know, I I decided I let this guy go first because I don't know if he was of sound mind, just incredibly distracted. I don't know what it was. And I remember I let him go for a while and, and there was some weaving and there was some erratic driving. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, and, and, you know, I was wondering, like, do I call 911 in this case? It's not really an emergency. I mean, what what do I do under those circumstances? I, you do, I think, because RCMP tweeted, tweeted just this month that 50% of impaired drivers are caught when somebody else yeah. sends it off. Right. But it's, you do think, like, should it, maybe this person's just having a bad day or maybe they're actually in the wrong, right? Well, because that's the thing. When you're driving, for me anyway, when I'm driving late at night or early in the morning, Everybody else on the road is suspicious. Yes. Like, what the heck are you doing out early this morning? And of course, yeah, exactly. Like earlier today when I was driving to the station, there was a guy who pulled over, uh, put his hazards on. He might have been checking his phone for something. It could have been totally innocuous. But I'm going there thinking, what are you doing? Why are you pulling over? Why are, you, why are your hazards on? It's 4 a.m. Nobody puts their hazards on at 4 a.m. Meanwhile, I'm driving there to the station. and But I'm not suspicious, of course. No, no of course not. Channel Well, what's weird is the um, sheer amount of people that I see when I'm on my way to work at 3.30 in the morning. Now, you'd think nobody would be out and about, but in the past few months in my neighborhood, so many people are out, so many people on bicycles. Do they have backpacks, Channel I hadn't actually hadn't noticed. Mm, pay attention, because I think most of them have backpacks yeah, on. Yeah, I, I okay. know what you're talking about. Mm. And then, yeah, and, and, you know, sometimes you kind of see some vehicles just waiting. Mm. I see lots of people walking around in the back lane. The other day I saw a few houses down, two people, and they were in, like, a, the one backyard, and they had, like, a stroller. And I'm like, this seems kind of odd. So so I see, mostly I see a lot of strange humans on I'm my way. I'm just walking my baby. That baby looks a lot like a 37-inch television. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's their baby. <laughs> what are you, Mackling? Well, as I mentioned, I used to be a milkman. And so I used to deliver out in Charleswood, Tuxedo, and Headingley. And one night, I was driving down Ridgewood Avenue, which runs parallel to Wilkes. Mm-hmm. And the I guess it's the CN Main Line. And I saw some lights in the distance coming directly towards me. And that was the moment that I realized that I believe in alien life. Because I was telling myself, you got to stay awake for this. Because if you're <laughs> co- for coming for you, you don't want to miss this. So I'm watching. It was so kind wait, of sorry, foggy. You wanted, be, you wanted to be part of the abduction. Of course. Okay, got it. I'm like, pick me. Pick me. <laughs> and and the lights are getting closer and closer. And I'm trying to rationalize this thing. I'm thinking, is this an airplane? No, because, you know, the, air, the airport, 
the approach would be perpendicular the to the way yeah. I'm traveling. It turned out it was an airplane, but it was obviously trying to find its way in the fog. It made a sharp left turn and away it went. But I was shaken for the rest of the morning and I realized, I guess I do believe in life forms on other planets. So your customers received milkshakes that day. They then. got milkshakes. Shaken and disappointed, you it sounds it. like. Or maybe sour cream, yogurt, I don't know. <laughs> I can't honestly think of anything weird. I'm sure, I, I know I've seen lots of stuff, but I can't recall any of it. But uh, there was that story recently, it was back just at the beginning of the month, of that naked guy was, that was running, we figured it out, It was he was running along Isabel. Uh, he was running, I think, in the opposite direction. The bridge was just, the Slaw Rebchuk bridge was just a few blocks up. And yeah, some guy caught it on his cell phone. <laughs> Are we sure we wanted to see that? Uh, well, if you want to, all you got to do is Google naked man running through Winnipeg. That's the exact search terms I used, and it's right there. I think he had shoes on, and then that's it. Well, hey, at least he's being conscious of his feet. <laughs> Got to take care of your feet. Now that's a runner. <laughs> now, I've seen this a few times, but not on Portage Avenue. Here's a text coming back from Grace Hospital at 3 a.m. I saw a large house going down Portage Avenue. It was being moved. I thought I was seeing things. Yeah, no question. You see that on the perimeter highway from time to time, but down Portage Avenue? Yeah, that's Not so often. Text us any weird stuff you've seen out while you're driving. 204-780-6868. Thank you very much, Kelly Moore, Shanalee Vidal, Tristan Field-Jones, Jeff Forte. And after Global News at 7 o'clock, Adriana Jung will join us to give us more details about the smoke. It's the start on CJOB. Policy resolutions have been issued, including abortion, supply management, and terrorism, and the convention is happening just after Quebec MP Maxime Bernier announced he was quitting the Conservative Party, and not only is he quitting the party, he's hoping to take some Conservative loyalists with him. Global's Abigail Beeman joins us live now from Halifax, and was this uh, shocking news to anyone yesterday, Abigail? Good morning. Uh, shock is a strong word, perhaps a, a little surprised uh, for sure, because Maxime Bernier issued a news release that he was going to be making this announcement, but there were several hours between uh, that news release and the announcement, so you can imagine that tongues were wagging about what exactly uh, that may be. So, But more than surprised, I would say that there was a real sense of relief here. Of course, yesterday, all eyes were on Ottawa, while 3,000 Conservatives are gathered here in Halifax, but there are 3,000 Conservatives gathered here in Halifax. And that's important to note so that coming together feeling really Mr. Bernier is on the other side of it. And there were, was a lot of reliefs from the politicians, the delegates that I spoke to in terms of he's made this choice. A lot of people don't respect that choice or his behavior, but uh, he's done that now and they're here to support Andrew Scheer. Well, he's been called Mad Max over the years, so that might have dimmed some of the shock that might have been out there. But, you know, even the former Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, tweeted yesterday that it was clear that he never accepted the results of those last leadership from 2017, right? But is there any concern at all that he could actually pull some people over? You talk about everyone uniting, but he wants to start an old or a new party. And is there concern among the Conservatives that that might have some impact on their base and their bid to unify? 
Exactly. So that's the big question. And publicly, everybody is saying no. Andrew Scheer says himself, he said he absolutely does not believe that a single MP will leave his caucus. And he says that he's, he's not worried about votes. And so too are other uh, Conservatives saying the same thing, uh, that they're not worried about votes. The question will be, though, is this going to have any impact? And can you afford to, to lose those votes up against uh, the Trudeau government in 2019, which of course is, is just around the corner? So that remains to be seen. Uh, when people talk about whether this will have any impact, people say, well, you know, maybe in Quebec or in some parts of Quebec. But overall, people here don't seem to be worried about uh, it having a large impact. No one ever wants to say they're worried, I think, in these circumstances, well, right? They want to downplay <laughs> it a little bit. I, I kind of, of wonder if in Trudeau's office yesterday in the prime minister's circle, they were all sort of sitting there clapping, doing a jig, what have you, right? I mean, a fly it, on the wall would be nice. Eh? Wouldn't it? And, and what are they saying? What are the, do you think the liberals are seeing this as a, as a win for them or is it also just downplay for them? Uh, right. So for the liberals um, who were here at the at the convention, because, of course, they, they send some observers. So they were saying, like, you know, this speaks to division within the Conservative Party. I think it's it's hard for them to see it as anything other than a win. Um, but uh, also talked about, well, you know, would the, could this hurt the liberals in Quebec? And that's a whole story uh, on its own. But if uh, Maxime Bernier does gather a lot of support in Quebec, that, that could have an impact uh, on liberal seats there. So uh, a lot of questions as this moves forward. What is his problem with the Conservatives? Why did he have to decide to make this announcement? So he says that in his speech yesterday, supply management was the big one. So Maxime Bernier has always uh, been against supply management. And um, Andrew Scheer has said that he won't touch that. Maxime Bernier says that, you know, for NAFTA, we need to have this on the table in terms of negotiations. That was the big one. But his words were extremely harsh. His parting blows on his way out of the party yesterday, calling uh, the Conservatives too intellectually and morally corrupt to be reformed, saying that, you know, Andrew Scheer always talks about his vision, but nobody knows what that vision is. So he certainly wasn't holding back in his criticisms of the Conservative Party. So when you talk about uh, supply management being such a really, when it gets right down to it, such a very small part of the economy in terms of GDP, production, etc. Right. Bernier right. always holds this out as the as a lightning rod saying, do you want to throw away the possibility of a NAFTA agreement with the United States based on on supporting and keeping this uh, part of the Canadian landscape, but yet Bernier not realizing that two or three percent here and there can add up to really a landslide victory for the Liberals in the in the next election. I, I don't think he's uh, practicing what he's preaching here. Uh, right, and, and and that's a very good point. But uh, the Americans have been pretty firm on supply management as an issue on the table. So he sees that, or Bernie seems to feel that he does have a lot of support in that arena. He did lose to Andrew Scheer when they, you know, campaigned on different sides of that issue. But it was a, a narrow loss, as as people are, are quick to point out here. So it does certainly remain to be seen how that plays out going forward, and as NAFTA negotiations continue to play out going forward. He can say those things, Abigail, but how much do you think just the last two weeks, uh, his words on Twitter talking about not wanting to move forward to a more diverse Canada and all the rest, right. and at some point it was just more like he had to go, he was going to either be pushed out or he had to quit. 
Right, right. And that's a good point as well. Now, Andrew Shear said yesterday that they last spoke nine days. Oh, excuse me. It was Maxine Bernier who said that he and Andrew Shear both sp- uh, last spoke nine days ago. But Andrew Shear said in his news conference he really feels that Bernier made up his mind a long time ago. And if you if you think about that last spoke nine days ago comment, uh, Bernier said he really f- saw at that point that there was no place for him within the party. That aligns uh, closely with when he started to ramp up on those tweets. So how long ago he really made up his mind, uh, not sure, but uh, th- that he felt he could take that division publicly uh, a little while ago and, and certainly ramped up from there, highlighted in, in his final parting words yesterday. Does he live to see another day, Bernier? Oh, I'm not going to place bets on, on that one. If you ask conservatives here at the party, most of, or here at the convention, most of them say, uh, no, say that this is, that this is going to be the end for him. Sure, he, he may hold on to his seat, but there's not a lot of uh, confidence here in Halifax anyway that this is going to have much success. Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.